adversity, bring it. The struggle, I welcome. Snooze on life, never know. I am Dave Regina, and this is the No Snooze Podcast. Come on. Welcome back, No Snooze Podcast, episode 163. As always, I'm in the booth with a great three. We have Jason, the real jump man, Lacayo, Claudio, the voice, Valenzuela, and I am Dave, the body, Regina. Jason Lacayo has been a police officer for 14 years. After just 18 months as a patrolman, he moved into the emergency services unit and became a SWAT officer. He specializes in rope rescue, vehicle extraction, and special weapons and tactics. Although Jason is a huge proponent of physical fitness, he believes that mental wellness is largely undervalued in society as a whole, but more specifically within the first responder community. Jason has also been a CrossFit coach since 2014 and takes great pride in helping others to improve their overall quality of life through fitness. Jason, welcome to the podcast, my brother. Happy to be here, man. Thank you for having me. And it's okay. So I did mess up that you guys won't hear, but I'll <laughs> expose myself, okay? I said I said a word wrong. I had to do it again. Um, so Jason, man, it's, it's good to finally meet you. Happy to connect with you. We have a lot of... Uh, Mutual friends. Mutual friends. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. Um, I guess where I want to start, first, I really want to tell you, though, I don't know if CrossFit is, uh, or the CrossFit kipping pull-up is a real pull-up. Most people don't think it, uh, <laughs> don't think it's a real pull-up, and I don't blame them for not thinking that. <laughs> I mean, I can do strict pull-ups, so I got that baseline kind yep. of done. So, yep. um, But anytime I get into a room with somebody, they're like, oh, yeah, you do CrossFit, you do those sissy pull-ups. So I'm like, yeah, man, whatever. It is. It is what it is. Listen, I am the first one to say, like, I look good, like doing like workout things. Yeah. But like, you're the real deal. Like you're talking like vehicle extraction and like that type of stuff. Yeah. I'm Fugazi. All right. So I'll, I'll give you that. Can't where, say that man. <laughs> uh, where, where'd you grow up, man? Where are you from? So originally I'm, I'm from the Bronx. Uh, I was born um, in North Central Bronx, which is like right behind Montefiore. I was born there and then lived there till I was like, lived in the Bronx till I was about 12. And then I moved to Yonkers. Okay. And that's kind of where it all started to like come together. I would say like where you grew up is like where you went to like middle school, high school. So I went to eighth grade and from there on, I've been in Yonkers. And uh, Yonkers is a very special place. It's like a little big city, you know yep. what I'm saying? Oh, so yeah. I had to learn fast where to go, where not to go, you know, who to be around, who not to be around, because uh, you could get caught up real quick there. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, I'm very familiar with with Westchester in general, but I'm originally from Mount Vernon, New York. Okay, yeah, so you're the neighbor. So That's you know, right. Yeah. But struggle with the same thing, because when people ask where you're from, right, You sometimes you think in your head, well, when I was 15, I was in Stanford, but from zero to 15, I was in Mount Vernon. But then when I talk to people who are closer to the Mount Vernon and the Yonkers side, I'm like, oh, I'm from Mount Vernon. Yeah. Then if I go to Stanford, I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm from Greenwich, Stanford area. So yeah, I, can, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can certainly The Bronx doesn't that. claim me anymore because <laughs> of what I just said, you know, like yep. just middle school and then like high school, that's where you kind of do most of your uh, maturing or growing up. So yeah. that's when you're outside, you're going to parties, you're playing sports. So I claim Yonkers. Yep, yep, I'm with it. Um, 
You said like making, I guess, just being strategic, it seems, about like your whereabouts, who you're hanging around, what you're doing. Mm -hmm. How do you make the decision to get into law enforcement? So I come from a long line of like first responders. So my dad was a correction officer. My uncle's a police officer. Um, my cousin's a cop. Like it's just, it's the family business. So for me, growing up, seeing my dad like in a uniform, like shining his shoes, always making sure he was squared away, like gig line all set up. Um, I only saw myself either being like in the in the military or in law enforcement. So um, the natural progression after you know school was to mm -hmm. start taking tests. So that's how I ended up in that space. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, I I have a lot of well family friends that are in law enforcement, first responders as well. Um, but there's I think a, a there's two types of individuals, right? You have the ones that want to be patrolmen forever. Yeah. Right. Or you have those that are like motivated to move up the ranks, get into different units and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Where do you think that drive came from for you? Because getting involved in emergency services is a lot different than being a patrolman. Um, you want me to be honest? Absolutely. Watching uh, the, the <clears throat> movie or like the sitcom SWAT, mm. you know, with like Hondo and stuff. I always thought that was like badass. And I always wanted to be in the military, so I didn't join the military. So the closest thing to me it was all right, let me be like the special forces of like police. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, first opportunity I had to, you know, put in for emergency services, I said, you know, let me throw my hat in the ring and see where I land. And um, let me tell you, it was, I just got moved from there, but I was, I was there for a decade and it was the best decade of my life as a police officer. Um, you know, you see a lot of things, you experience a lot of things. Um, but, you know, I think most people who do this job were like, adrenaline junkies mm -hmm. and when you're on the truck that's what you're riding. you're riding at adrenaline high because you could be at a lull and the next thing you get a call and you got to spring into action and for me it's just I just love that feeling of you know like mm -hmm. constantly like you know what's next what's next so the truck for me was a natural progression yeah was there a uh and I'm always curious about this was there a moment that you were like oh wow like okay I passed my tests you know now I'm on the force Okay, that's all cool. I'm a police officer. But mm -hmm. was there a day that you felt like, okay, now you're really in this? Like, uh, my buddy's a fireman, right? Yeah. Mark Carter. Shout out Marky. Peace skill fireman. I remember his moment was actually in the academy. Okay. Because he's six foot two. Big not, guy. Not as big as me, Marky. I'm sorry. But, you know, he's, he's a big guy. <laughs> um, they had him masked up, and this was still in training. Mm-hmm. And they basically cut a 12-inch hole into the wall that he had to get his whole body through oh. in a 1,000-plus degrees. So the anxiety that was building yeah. up. And that exercise is meant to tap you out, mm -hmm. right? So it, he was lucky that it was training because I'm sure that happens to individuals in a burning building. Burning building, But yeah. that was his moment of like, oh, wow, I'm an actual fireman now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was there like a moment for you, if it's something like a vehicle extraction that you're doing? Um, or My first or gun something, run. My gun first, run. yeah, my first gun run was exhilarating. What like, is a gun run? A gun run is like when you get a call of a male or the, a subject with a gun. And uh, I was super new. I was probably on the street for like maybe three months. And, um, you know, the guy, it basically was a home, it was a botched home invasion. So we end up getting there and my sergeant was like, go to the roof, and come down to fire escape. You go. I'm so not going. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I kind of looked at him like, yeah, you sure you want me to go, bro? You know, because I'm this, I'm this young kid, you know, I was like, I was like 23 at the time. And so. this is in the city. This is in the city. This is in the Bronx. And so 
me and this other dude, we run up to the roof. We sprint up there. And then we get there and like the fire escape was like right over the, like the ledge. So it's probably like a 12 inch like barrier. And then you got to like lean, like hop over to go to go over the, the fire escape. So I'm, it was two floors down from where we were at. I was like, dude, I don't think it's a good idea that I just be standing on this, you know, <laughs> fire escape. And, you know, there was a gun in there too. So I'm like, okay, cool. I said, we'll just wait out here. So he's got to come up because he's going to try to come out the window and come up. So he'll run right into us. But you're on a fire escape. So where's he running? Like literally he, into I, your arms. So I'm thinking he wanted to run to the roof and go to like another building or whatever because gotcha. they were like so close you can kind of hop. So now we're hopping buildings in the city. Seen that too. <laughs> this is crazy. And um, so I'm up there. I'm talking to the kid I was with up there. And while I'm talking, you can hear like the window rustle. And as you hear that, all you see is like I look over. And all you see is a gun come out. And the, like, I guess the guy was trying to come out of the window, but he had a gun in his hand. Mm. And he like looked up and he saw me through like the grating. And I'm there and I'm like, oh, wow. Like, it's real now. Like, I'm, I'm in mm-hmm. it. Like, this is no, this, this is not the academy anymore. Right, right. This is real life. Like, my life's on the line. Thank God he like dipped back in and ended up like surrendering. But I mean, that, that day could have changed my life, man. Wow. You know, he fires or whatever have you. And, you know, we end up exchanging rounds and someone, you know, someone doesn't go home that night. Do you think that just being from a, I guess because you grew up around that environment, mm-hmm. right? Do you think it was more normal for you in that moment to have the control and not shoot? Because something that I see from the outside looking in, and I could be wrong, yeah. it seems like a lot of young police officers are not maybe properly trained and maybe they you know, shoot too quick or you know, at the end of the day, police officers are trying to get home to their families as yeah. well, right? So I completely understand that, but you see like moments like this where you could have easily justified a shot oh yeah gun in the hand yeah. right but do you think like what was what kept you so poised in that moment um so i tell people this all the time like i, I grew up in a super tumultuous environment like you know you'd go to a party you know being like 15 16 there were guns at those parties there mm-hmm. were knives at those parties you know violence happened at those parties so you know those kind of traumatic situations you learn how to be as calm as possible you know um i always say i function better in chaos than i do in and like peace, you know, because like, I know how to react. Oh, you know what it's like for me, it's more like when it's too calm, like what the hell's going on? Something's going on. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like chaos for me is where I'm like in my zone. Mm -hmm. And so for me to be in that kind of position, you know, I'm thinking of different outcomes. Like I shoot, it ricochets because you're accountable for every single round. Mm. So, you know, I shoot it ricochets off the fire escape, hits a innocent bystander. That's on me. So, you know, unless I haven't dead to rights, I wasn't going to, you know, take a shot. So I think just me just coming from, you know, where I come from right, and being around that type of stuff where, like, you had to remain calm and keep a cool head because things could go left if you don't stay calm. Yeah. Speaking of going left, better you than me, my brother, because that sergeant would have been like, Dave, it's gun run the other <laughs> way. Not, that, not the opposite way. Not the opposite way. Um, no, that's awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that. Not a problem. What's man. been... Um, I guess your 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 toughest moment in life to to overcome, and I guess say it could be on the job, it could be off the job as well. Though anything that comes to mind, like a uh, just a groundbreaking moment for you that you're like, you know, this is a, a big hurdle in my life, and and now I have a decision that this thing can either break me down or I can use it as fuel to this fire. Um, deciding to get off the truck, like that was between 2020 and 2022 that was probably the busiest i've been on the truck what's the truck 
uh, the emergency services truck. So gotcha. I'm sorry, I'm using no, 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 driving. no. Gotcha. Um, yeah, because we ride around on this like ambulance looking thing, mm -hmm. and in the back there's like our special weapons stuff, there's our rope rescue stuff, there's our medical stuff. Um, so it's the real deal back there. Like, oh when yeah. People assume because when I assume, I think there's bazookas back there. I think there's like <laughs> yeah, like dudes oh, yeah, ready. Nah, to, we got you know. forty millimeter launchers. We got all that good stuff back there. <laughs> but we got like skeds, medical equipment, um, vehicle extrication equipment. Stuff to remove animals, like there's everything back mm -hmm. there. You name it, it's there. Animals are back there. No, um, we got like, um, like, uh, uh, oh, it's called an animal. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> oh, to snares. Oh, got gotcha. Stuff okay. like that, like okay. gloves to like grab raccoons and oh, so well, y'all got to do that too. Yeah, man, we do it all, dude. Wow. We do it all. So, um, between 2020 and 2022 was we just we did a lot, and I'm telling you, the call that broke me where I was like. I don't know if I can do this for another six or seven years was we went to a wrong way crash on the 287 and a, uh, it was a family that got hit. And when I'm telling you, the car was obliterated, the car, there's just a frame remained. And when I got there, um, the son was being put into the ambulance asking if his dad was okay. So I'm like, as we're walking up, I see, I see something under a white sheet. That was his father. And I think that was the moment where I was like, damn, like this is this, I don't know if I could continue to do this because the worst part about this whole thing, and and I don't know if any other police officer or first responder has uh, experienced this. Um, we were, we actively were working on saving the guy who, who created the crash. Mm. And it's like, this guy just killed two people and we're saving him. And it, to me, that was like, morally it was a conflict. Mm. For me, because, you know, um, this man just killed two people. He's living, you know, and then uh, now a son has to grow up without a father and I got to save this guy. So I think at that point, that was something I had to like sit down and really think about. Do I want to continue to be in this aspect of it or do I want to like move further back behind, like, you know, the front line? Mm. Who else died in that crash? Is it two people? Uh, his friend. Oh man. So they were the coming back from like, Yeah, they were coming back from like a basketball game or something like oh, that, man. God. And I was just like, damn, dude. And you know, you see stuff like that, you know, but like I think the older you get, the more you realize how important family is. Mm -hmm. When you're young, you don't really think about that, right? Because you're young, you're invincible. You don't think about longevity, you don't think about growing old. Nobody thinks about that mm -hmm. when they're in their twenties, right? So, you know, when you get older, you start to see, you know, you have like friends that you went to school with, they mm -hmm. start to have families. And then, or they passed away or they got incarcerated. You start to see these things. And then you start looking around. It's like, damn, I'm like last of the Mohicans around here. Mm -hmm. So you start to put things into perspective. And like, you know, my brother uh, started to have his family. So I was, you know, I was like the uncle. And like, I just started to th think about things like that. So going to calls like that, just, it put, it, it, you put a lot of things that per into uh, perspective. You, you, you leave these calls and they don't leave you. They stay with you for a little bit. So it's like. I was like, damn, man, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Cause like I have the um, emotional intelligence to understand that like, that's not sustainable to continue to keep seeing this, keep seeing mm -hmm. this, keep seeing this. So I was like, yeah, I probably want to like, you know, take a step back. Yeah, yeah. It was wow. a sobering moment, man. Yeah, to say the least. Um, I value your take on on family even. So last night I was just on your Instagram mm -hmm. right? and I saw your your uh, story yeah. about mom and like, you know, just how you got a kid. I don't know if oh, you picked yeah, her up. Oh, yeah, man. You picked her up from maybe the yeah, airport. Yeah, from the airport. Yeah, right, 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 right. 
And y your point was like, you know, just valuing the moments that you have with parents because we don't, don't know how forever, long. Yeah. Uh, so it was like 10 o'clock at night when I was doing this. Mm -hmm. And I happened to, I talked to my mom all the time, but I saw that and it inspired me to just text my mom and say, mom, I'm so proud of you. She's oh, coming man, up on uh, five up. years of sobriety now. Oh, God bless you. Um, I'm proud of you and I love you. But it was because of because of what I saw. Oh, on man, that's, that's yeah. solid. That's great, no, 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 man. Very Thank cool, you for sharing man. that, bro. Absolutely. Um, ironically, November, right, the month of November, is centered around men's health awareness. Yes. Right? And it serves as a reminder for everyone, but especially men, to prioritize not only their physical, but their mental health. Mm-hmm. You're speaking on emotional intelligence, and that's not something that's spoke about often or associated with men. Yeah. How do you personally find strength in vulnerability as a man? Um, that's a great question, dude. Phenomenal question. I think a lot of guys have been told since you know their inception is that you got to be tough, you got to man up, and you don't really have an outlet, right? We don't have a, a space where we can kind of just let it all out. And I feel like it's it's not um, unmasculine to show vulnerability. We're human, right? We're not impervious to to the world, right? We we get uh, you know dealt a card, uh, you know, a hand of cards, and you got to live your life that way, you know. But my whole thing has always been men, especially, we're we're twice as likely to commit suicide, right? And we take definitive measures when we do that. You know, most most dudes like, you know, put a gun in their mouth or they, they you know, they, they jump off a building, they do something like that. You know, um, we don't have a space where we can come and say, hey, man, you know, I'm not okay. And I always tell guys, dude, it's it's okay to not be okay. Like, you, you know, you can't be Superman all the time because even Superman has kryptonite. Like, I coach high school football. You know, we lost in the semifinals on the eight-yard line with 38 seconds. There wasn't a dry eye on the field. And I tell these kids, I'd rather you get out that, that anger here than go out and, like, mm -hmm. pummel somebody and change the trajectory of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, allocating those emotions in the right space. So that's why I tell dudes, man, like I'm not saying, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you stub your toe on the coffee table and you start crying. I'm not saying that, but like, you I know. Might, I might do that. And right. you could, <laughs> but you know, there's a time and place. And when you're out there with your brothers and you lose a game that you put your blood, sweat and tears in, and a lot of those guys were seniors, they're never gonna be on that field again with their brothers like that. Mm -hmm. Some of them may go to the next level. Some of them may never play the game again. So I remember there was a kid who was sitting down, he was sitting by himself and he's like staring off into the distance. Phenomenal young man too. I said, man, get up, man. Picked him up and I said, yo, you did a great job. This is what sports is supposed to do. It's supposed to teach you about the ebbs and flows of life. You win some, you lose some, but at the end of the day, you still got your life, man. Mm -hmm. You got your family, you got a bright future. This is just a sport. So right now you lost, man, but it's not a loss. Figure out what you did wrong. Go back, watch the film. You know, a loss is always supposed to be translated into a lesson because you got to go back and really see what you did wrong. And then hopefully you don't repeat that, you know? So yeah. that's kind of where I draw the strength from. I, I want to give men a, a <clears throat> safe space and understand, and let them know that, you know, it's okay to not be okay because we see things and we deal with things and we're supposed to be the, you know, the providers, the ones, the protectors, but who's protecting us? You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, you got to make sure you take care of yourself because you can't take care of yourself. You can't take care of your family and your loved ones. So, yeah. I told you uh, 
off air, but Sean Degnan and I, gentleman who who connected sure. us, obviously, we're doing a uh, a men's retreat. Where and I doing, love that idea, bro. It, it's all wellness based. Um, a lot of physical stuff, but mm-hmm. the real strength is in the mental piece that we're going to be discussing and talking about. Um, a safe space for men. Absolutely. New Paltz, New York, um, over President's Day weekend, um, but. As I was looking at like statistics of this stuff, yeah, it was alarming. You said we're twice as likely, yeah, and it's, and and I, honestly, I think it's more than that. I just used that. Well, so what I read, and it could be anywhere. So I was going to say probably from fifty to I saw seventy percent of go. suicides are actually men, and what was even crazier was it was white men, which was something I never really like. Wow. I never really thought about that. And I guess as I was thinking about, it, I guess you're you're talking more like a from a U.S. perspective, yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say that just even from my personal experience, you know, the men in my life, I I can see, I can see how those statistics would be real. Like for whatever reason, the black African American community that I'm associated with right now in my immediate circle Mm -hmm. We're able to have these conversations Uh, for whatever reason. Right. And I really don't know. I can't pinpoint why. But my best friends who are black were able to open up to one another, right? Wow, and even my Latino friends were able to open up. But as I'm thinking of the deep, deep conversations, I really don't have them with other white men. Like Sean would be one that like I definitely yeah. do, you know? A um, couple guests on the podcast that we've had, Matt Ramos. Well, no, he's Cuban, right? Yeah. So I, as I was thinking about it, it kind of registered to me like, wow, you know, I can see how this can be. And even for myself, I never identified, like you always associate mental health Mm-hmm. With something bad, yeah, you know, it's like it's like a, um, it, it's just a negative. It has a negative connotation mm-hmm. to it, and there's different forms of mental health, right? Like me back in the day when I would get mad and I would think it's cool to like, you know, grind my teeth and put a hole in the wall. Yeah, like there's some mental health there. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like that's not cool. But back in the day, I thought it was cool, like frustration. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't until like I ruined certain relationships, friendships, girlfriends in the past, um, some family things that have gone on that like you become, I guess, aware of this. Yeah. And now on top of the vulnerability, it's my responsibility to take action and make an impact, right? Through conversations like this, through, uh, you know, the the programs and services that we offer in in, in the town that I work in. Um, So it it really hits home. And and, and I love, really love, man, I value what you do. Um, And especially in this first responder community. Talk to me about um, the organization that you're with in terms of the first responders. And I saw some things that you were discussing in terms of mental health. Like what what was that? So um, I work with a uh, non-for-profit called Reps for Responders. And... um, that's exactly what we do. We we provide a space for um, family members of first responders and first responders themselves to um, you know get resources. Um, the man who started it, his name is Frank Vose, young man who I feel like has lived three lives. Uh, young dude, he's like twenty seven, but you know he's he struggled with um, alcoholism, and um, you know he was at a point where you know he thought of committing suicide, ending his life. And, um, you know, he was at the bottom of the bottom and now he's at the top of the top, you know, um, to be sitting in a room contemplating taking your life to now, uh, he's on the sergeant's list. Um, you know, he was off the road for a number of years. He's back on the road doing the job that he loves. He just received an award from the ASPCA, I think yesterday for saving, um, some dogs. Um, you know, working with him, 
we we have helped a lot of police officers because what happens is like there's a stigma with it you know you 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 go to a a mental health professional the job hears about it automatically they take your gun mm -hmm. you're sitting in a room and you're not doing the job that you love and then like a lot of people uh and i mentioned this the other day is most cops associate themselves with just being a cop and we're so many other things where we you know we're we're brothers we're cousins we're fathers we're friends there's so many other hats that we wear, but for some odd reason, when we take this job, and I'm I'm pretty sure it's like this with firefighters as well, they, you know, they associate themselves with their career. People don't understand. You're only here for X amount of hours, and then you go home for however many hours it is. You know, what are you giving to your family? You know what I'm saying? So, um, and we see the worst of the worst, and we don't have a place to unpack it. So my whole thing has always been: you need a place to unpack it, but most people don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. So we provide a space <clears throat> where you know you can come and have a conversation. And if you need the help, we can res we can get you the resources that you need. Also, we do like social events. Where we do like gym meetups. We're gonna be at Impact Zone uh, in New Jersey uh, this weekend. And you know, it's just a place where we all partake in fellowship. And like, you know, you would know, like you're, you're, you're a fit guy. Most of my friends, and I'm pretty sure most of your friends are guys that you frequent the gym with. So it's like, um, when you're in a room with people who are like-minded, you can really partake in fellowship and get your point across and you see people's, you know, true selves. So, um, you know, I'm big on that. And even at work, you know, I got moved over to the mental health outreach team mm. and, you know, we, we go out there and we help people get resources. If you're homeless, we help you find housing and food and, you know, get you attached to services and put you in a position to improve your life. Um, I really feel like as a civil service worker, it's my duty to give back to my community. So, um, you know, I'm very, very, very big on that. Uh, you know, I ran around locking up a lot of people in the early part of my career. And i um, not saying that, it, you know, some of those guys didn't deserve to go to jail. But, you know, you start to look at yourself and you're like, man, am I doing this for the right reasons? You know, um, and, I, and at that point I was like, yeah, I got, I got to step away from that type of policing. I mm. need to put myself... In, um, in a space where I'm helping people. That's why I went on the truck. I was in a proactive unit prior to jumping on the truck. And, you know, it was great. You know, I did four years there, but um, I got a lot more gratification being on the truck and saving lives and doing things like that. So mm. a little long-winded, but, you know. No, man, that's, <laughs> I, I'm taking it all in, yeah. to be honest. And, and I see what you're doing. You know, the, even those, the, just the clips on, on Instagram, I, I started uh, following that page as well, uh, Reps for Responders. Yeah. Um, just a great message, man. And even though I'm not a first responder, mm -hmm. you know, I am a first responder in my life. Yes. You know what I mean? Powerful um, statement. I like so that. So I, I can really relate to it. And, and I love the concept of brotherhood um, and, and strong men getting together in a room and being able to open up Absolutely. to one another. You know, because that's not something that you're seeing in Yonkers. It's not something I'm seeing in Mount Vernon either. Yeah. Um, and it, it's so available if we make it available. And it takes men like us and organizations like that uh, to really put this message Amen forth. That, you know? um, what would you tell somebody that knows that they're struggling a little bit, right? And mm -hmm. they're, for whatever reason, maybe it's, I guess the word that I'm thinking about is like embarrassed to open up, right? Like, what would you say the first step is before you're committing to something? Because commitment could be very scary to people. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you know to be true or believe would help for me and my personal experience, right? 
it was, I had this negative connotation of therapy. Yeah. But because when I was 16 years old, I sat in front of a therapist with one of my uh, family members. Mm -hmm. And my family member completely fabricated a story. The therapist tells me, you know what, son? I think you have anger issues. And basically took the family member side. And it uh, couldn't have been the opposite. Yeah. So that for years for me, really, I was like, man, F this. I'm yeah. not getting involved. But then I gave it another shot. And I think what I did was I think I started putting a podcast in my ear, to be honest. I forget which one specifically, but it was something about mental health awareness. And that yeah. was the first step that I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not committing to anything, yeah. but I'm opening myself okay. up. So is there something for you that you now know with all this training that you have and the credentials mm -hmm. um, in that space to to help somebody with? Dude, honestly, I think exactly what you just said. You have to be open to it because I was the same way before I went to go see a therapist. And um, a friend of mine was the one that put me in line with the therapist and was like, hey, man, you know, um, I don't think you... You're not you. Something about you changed. And I didn't notice it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then like one day, I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm like, damn, bro. Like, then it clicked. I was like, I'm not the same Jason I was. You know, I'm not this jovial, like happy-go-lucky person. I'm not that guy anymore. And, you know, I was in I was in a really rough patch. And I had that same negative connotation. Like, I'm going to sit in front of this shrink and, you know, they're going to tell me how shitty I am. and They're going to shrink you. Yeah, you. exactly. You know <laughs> what I mean? They're going to make me feel like less of the human being that I am. And I, I'm going to sit there and just hate every second of it. And it wasn't until I walked in there and I kind of had the, the same thing, like, I sat there and I was, body language was like this. I'm like, you know, what are you going to tell me? So he started asking me stuff about my childhood and like then moving forward and then started unpacking things. And by the end of the that first session, I was sitting there, I was just like, I felt like I was in a, you know, a 12 round bout with, with, <laughs> with a prize fighter because she had unpacked so many different things and why I am the way I am and why I think the way I think because of the things that I experienced, but I never was open to sitting down in front of somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was like seven years ago, bro. And I, I still go, yep. you know, uh, I'm still active. Um, you know, I think you have to suffer a little bit to, to get to a place where you feel like you need help or you have to go seek help. If you don't suffer, then you won't understand what it is to seek the help. You have to suffer just a little bit to get to that space. And I had been through it at that point and I was like enough is enough man I gotta and thank God you know like that, that good friend of mine had the wherewithal to tell me like send me a car I was like you need to go there mm. and I was like all right cool you know if you see something different mm -hmm. and you hear it in my voice and you see how I'm acting then maybe I should pay attention to it so that's big that's a good friend yeah man you know? um, very thankful and I will say this too like even still to this day right I'm very comfortable in any uncomfortable conversation mm -hmm. Um, and I'm blessed to have the knowledge that I have now, Yeah. but even still, I will tell you, I do not like sitting in front of people talking about the things that are making me feel the way that I'm feeling. Right. Yeah. But I've learned how to process. I tell therapists right from the jump though, please don't ask me if I'm upset in the moment. Well, how does it make you feel? feel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like a lot of men, we associate therapy with that exact moment. Mm -hmm. And that for me, I, I hated it like, because yeah. that was the first real life experience that I had when I was 16 years old in that therapist room. I was triggered so, for you. Yeah. Oh my God. I was so enraged. But I said, you know what? Even though now if I get enraged in real life without a therapist, it's like, 
go process by yourself. Yeah. And then you owe it to that other person to come back into that space and have a conversation. Yes. But for me, I'm not one. And I just want men and everybody to understand it's okay that if you don't want to talk and you need some time to process, yeah. take that time to process. Absolutely. You don't have to get into it right away. I tell people, like sometimes you see people having arguments, like, you know, we go to domestics all the time and it's like, mm -hmm. well, he wanted to go for a walk and I wanted to talk about it right now. Maybe this man needed to get out and take a walk or maybe she needed to get out and take mm -hmm. a walk, blow off some steam and then come back level-headed and have that conversation. You don't have to address it right now. At some point you do though. Right. You know, don't run away from it, but if you need to take some time and, you know, process what's happening and figure out how you're feeling, mm -hmm. by all means, do that. You don't have to address it right now. But just, like you said, just be open to it, you know, and if there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable, set your boundaries. You know, your boundaries aren't to keep people out, it's to keep you safe. I always tell people that. Mm, repeat you know, that, repeat if, that. If uh, boundaries are to keep you, it's not to keep people out, it's to keep you safe. And uh, I think people don't understand it because they'll look at it as like, oh, he's standoffish, or he's this, he's that, or she's this, she's that. No, it's just I have a certain way I like to operate. Mm -hmm. And I'm comfortable in these four walls. You're, in, you're, you know, you're a little intrusive. So back up a bit. This is how I like to live my life. And if you don't like it, you can go elsewhere. If you can deal with it, you can stay around. If you can't, mm -hmm. see you later, you know? Mm. You said something before that made me want to um, unpack a little bit more because it was very relatable to me. I've seen in my relationships, people mm -hmm. that I've been tight with for years, when you start making the transition and you start becoming a different version of the Jason Lacayo, of the Dave Regina that you are today, mm -hmm. I almost feel like you're not accepted. And it's something that I battle because I'm like, damn, I still want my people to love me for me. Yeah. But the truth is I'm no longer the individual that they knew me to be. Mm -hmm. And I, although I possess the same qualities, but I, I believe that I've just, you know, evolved, evolved and I'm, I'm growing, but I feel like certain people aren't really accepting of that. Do you experience that? Yeah. And how do you deal with it? Evolution creates growth and expansion. So when you're evolving, some people aren't going to be able to make that journey with you, man. And and like I always say, people who are meant to be in your life will be in your life. They're not meant to be there. Then somehow the universe creates a space where they're no longer in there. You know, I always say, if you're not making me better or helping me get better, then you serve no purpose in my life. Like any, any friend that loves you and cares about your well-being wants to see you get to that next level and grow. Some people are very complacent and they stay in this small space. You know, we, you know, in the chapter of life, you may meet somebody in chapter 20 and leave them right there, mm -hmm. you know, because you're constantly growing and evolving. You, you know, um, some people just get very comfy in a, in a small space and they just don't want to move from there because you got to go to an uncomfortable space to grow. And some people just aren't cool with that. It's just like, nah, this doesn't feel right. I know that I do this well, so mm, I'm going to stay here. If you're trying to be great, you know, if you're trying to, you know, move the needle, got to get a little uncomfortable. And I think most people don't want to take the time to experience that feeling. And they're just like, you know what, I'm good here. I'm going to stay here. Or, you know, Dave is the guy I used to be. You know, he's too good for us now. No, Dave just leveled up. Dave, Dave is, you know, he took it up two or three notches. You should do the same. Some people don't think like that, man. If, they, if they're not there with you, then they weren't for you, bro. It's hard. Yeah, I know. You, you know what I mean? It's so hard. No, the older the older you get, the the more you'll see it. And yeah. you know, like, you know, we spoke about age earlier. It's like 
you're at that age where now the shit's going, the pendulum's going to swing a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're going to be like, damn, you're going to look back, and there's going to be some people back there. But you're pushing forward, man. You're a successful guy, and sometimes like some people that you feel that are super close to you that love you, there's a li- like there's a little bit of I don't want to say like envy, but like when you start to grow and 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 move like that, there's people who wish that they could have did what you did. They just didn't bet on themselves like you did. So there's like a little bit of like animosity, you know what I'm saying? Because maybe they had an idea and they just sat on their hands. You just acted on it. You bet on yourself. And then now you're, you're at where you're at. You bet on yourself, man. Like you believed in who you were and you did the work. They didn't. Why should you not reap the benefits of that? Mm-hmm. That's just my philosophy. No, no, I appreciate it. And then hearing it from you, it, it definitely, uh, you know, it, it hits home. But it's something I swear, man, almost every day I, I think about it at some point, you know, whether it's somebody who like, you know, I, I remember one of the... Uh, a recent article had come out and I was like, it was the first, the first one that came Mm -hmm. out, you know, and and we've been doing this podcast for over three years now. And, you know, we didn't, we had traction, but not like the publicity that's coming in now. And I remember like having a conversation with somebody who's really, really, really close to me. Mm. And if I'm being truthful here, I wanted their validation, you know? And I, cause I, I was speaking to them in the moment. And no acknowledgement of anything. And not, and I don't know if it was on me to be like, oh, well, I was, I wanted it. But like, I love this person so much that I'm like, damn, I wanted their, yeah. their like approval in that moment that I didn't receive for whatever reason. And you just got to keep going. You know, you, you have to keep going. And at some point, you know, not that you're trying to leave people behind by any yeah. means, because it's not like we're on the freaking moon, let's be honest. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to make it seem like that. Um, but just in any, for anybody out there that's, that wants, I genuinely want more for myself, right? Like you want more for yourself. You're, you're continuing to achieve. You're, you're stepping into spaces where you could have a 20, 25 year career and gone with a beautiful pension. You're stepping into all these other spaces strategically. Yes. Right. And, and that, that's what I really value about you, man. That's, that's a beautiful thing because not everybody has that, that drive um, and, and passion behind it. Um, talk to me about your routine a little bit, man. Oh man. You, like, you, you seem just like, a, yeah, just like you, you seem like a regimented dude. Um, I can definitely relate to that. We, we were talking off air about like, you know, yes, you, you, you like the chaos, but if something in your life, you know, gets shifted real quick, you're like, ah, ah, yeah, you know? And uh, so I wake up, I, I try to do the same thing every single day. So I wake up, um, I journal. Like you actually write things down. Yeah. Has that helped? Yes, dude. Really? Exponentially. That's man. the like, one thing that I have not really, I've done it for 30 days. Yeah. I did the 30 day gratitude here and there. I can't keep the habit. So find something that like like that like interests you. So like for me, uh, what I do is I, I'll wake up and so the, like my journal starts with like a quote. So I get like the quote of the day, and then like I start with the quote, and I you know I have like this app, and if something moves me, I'll, so I'll write it down. And I write it down. And I do like this quick little Bible study, then I meditate for ten minutes, max. It's a long time. Yeah, dude. Like it's a long quiet time. I I tried <laughs> to get to a space where I was like. 20 minutes and I just yeah mind how, starts how to you slow the mind down you do shorter ones and just focus on your breathing CV was telling me about that one time right like three to five minutes is yeah, like a short one or something work because you really focus on your breathing in the short ones guided like what, yeah, what, do, guided you, what do you use yeah yeah I use uh, Headspace we do yeah so guided for me I usually get like a somebody with like a nice smooth voice and they start working you through your breathing cadence 
And once you start focusing on the breathing cadence, that slows everything down. And I notice like my, like my pulse drops, like I start to feel a little relaxed and then I'm like, okay, cool. And then, and then I get into it. That's why 10 minutes is like my sweet spot. So I do 10 minutes and 10 minutes to me, I feel like it's manageable. If you're, especially if you're a busy person like me, like you got shit you got to do. Mm-hmm. So I get my 10 minute meditation and then, um, I start my moral report card. So like, hmm. yeah. So no one's ever an A. Like I'm never an A, bro. Like a good day for me is a C. Because somebody that's a cut, good day. That's a good day, bro. Wow, C, C. is a good day. Wow. You got to think about it. Like the moral report card is like just the things that you do during the day, right? Like somebody cut you off. Did you flip them the bird? Did you speed up? I did it two times. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> double banger. You know what I mean? Like or or like. Did you open the door for for an elderly woman to help somebody? So it's like little things like that. So like, you're doing this in the morning for no, the day before or at no, the end No, I night? start it. I start it. So like I start my day. My day always starts at, a, at an A. But by the time I get out of the house, <laughs> okay, I got it always starts as an A. It never finishes as an A. It ends up like a good day for me, like I say, is like a C plus. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like, you know, you, you go to work and like somebody says something that annoys you and you say some stupid stuff or whatever and you... You know, or or like you just have like a shitty thought. Like I, I, I try to really process those things because we all could be better human beings. And I feel like we're losing that human contact because of like cell phones and social media and shit. Cause like people are one way when you see them, mm-hmm. you know, on social media, but when you meet them in person, they're completely different. So, you know, I, I wanna be as authentic of a human being as I can, you know. So like the 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 relationships like Asking somebody like, yo, dude, how you feeling today, bro? Like, how's your spirit, man? You good, bro? Because some people are like, hey, how's it going? Or like, you ever, you ever meet somebody or have a friend that never asks you how you're doing? Yeah. They always open up with what the fuck's going on <laughs> they in They unload on you. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, dude, man, this it's 10 o'clock in the morning, bro. <laughs> like, a good morning would be nice. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. So it's, I, you know, it's the small things like, like that that I like to, you know, start my like moral report card with. But like usually, like I said, by the end of the day, dude. That, I'm a C. I love that concept, dude. The yeah. moral report card. Yeah, can you at any point? Can you raise your score during the day? Like, yeah, if you, you do can. something good. Yeah, you can. You and are can. you that aware of it throughout the whole day? Because this is beast, dude. This this could be a profound. This should be a book. I am. I try to make people like. You never know what somebody's going through, right? So, like, you having a brief conversation with somebody could change their day. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got to think about that. Like, I I wake up every single day. And I make a conscious decision to write my energy before I walk out of the house because you never know who you're going to run into. Like I tell this story all the time. Like I went to work one time and it was like quiet, quiet. And then all of a sudden we get this call, mail on the roof, uh, suicidal. And this dude, when I get up there, I'm, when I'm telling you, my man is swinging his feet on the roof. Like all he had to do was just push off. And me just having authentic conversation with this man, preventing him from jumping off that roof. Now, what happens if I woke up in the morning and I'm like, you know, F the world and fuck everybody. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm like that, I meet this guy. You know, you don't have the balls. Jump, do it. <laughs> and this guy jumps. Yeah. Like I contributed to someone losing their life. So it's like the small things like that, mm-hmm. you know, or like if you had Starbucks, like, you know, maybe the person behind you look like they don't got it like that. Hey, listen, do me a favor. Whatever this person gets, just put it on my thing. And yep. it is what it is. But we'll go. I did that one time. Uh-huh. Yo, this chick had three kids behind her. Oh, she well, ran yo, up the bill. Sausage, egg, and cheeses for everybody. See? A Gouda bacon, you know. Oh, she went ham. Yo, yes. dude, she got she the venti. The yeah, and like I remember seeing her, and I, I saw like a tear in her eye. Yeah. Like, so I was like, 
I'm going to grab this woman's bill. She was like, oh my God, thank you so much. And then all these kids came. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my bill was $46 well, at Starbucks. You know Maybe she didn't have it like that. And she had to feed those kids, man. You, you know, you know, you help somebody's life. <laughs> Yo, dude, I, I couldn't believe it. But yes, no, that, that's so true. But yeah, man, I, I really like that concept. Where'd you get that from? Um, I got, you know what I got that from? I got that from, I was watching a documentary. Jay-Z, it was like on title. Jay-Z had like this, the footnotes or like the cliff notes of the 444 album. Mm. And one of the guys mentioned like a moral report card. And I go, damn, I'm going to try this. It's fire. And and as soon as I started to implement that, mm. I started to get a little bit better with how I like interact with people. Um, you know, can you get like an extra credit or something if you're not doing so well could. by the end of the day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you could. I, I mean, I if, you want, if you want to attack it like that, you of course right. you could. But like, um, you know, I, I, I try to start my day, like I said, you know, with, with, with those things. And then like I'll, I, and I move my body. Yeah, honor the, my gifts and then you know the intention is fire there yeah, that, yeah. and waking up with the intention is and that's huge that's huge. something that that word intent when you wake up and you move with intent mm -hmm. that's huge i think a lot of people just are aloof man they just wake up and they exist like a shopping bag in the wind in the wind there you go right? there you go or a balloon yeah. where you just you just go just and go floating through life wherever the wind takes you you go you know like but there's so many people like that and and it's and, never want to be that guy but it's also like it's what society does. You know, you go to work, you punch the clock, nine to five, you leave, boom, you go home, you make dinner, you put your kids to bed, you go to sleep. You become part of this like routine. And a, it's a rut. Yeah. Bro. And he, I mean, a lot of women too, yeah. you know, like you just, you just become so routine where I, I love what you said too. Like you're only at work for a certain period of time. It's not who you are, no yeah. matter what type of job you are, whether you're, you know, SWAT Jason Lacayo yeah. or you're, you know, soft Dave Regina over here. Like yeah. you, still, you know, you got to go to work and you, you, you have so much more to you. Yeah. Um, that concept though, man, that moral report card, that's, that's huge. I've, I've, um, I've done the opposite a lot. I, I've taken the, the David Goggins approach of the cookie jar. Have you ever heard of cookie yeah, jar? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah the cookie jar is, is fire. It's basically like every bad thing that's happened in your life you either write it down physically or mentally and you yeah. put it in the cookie jar, right? You close that jar. And then when real life happens, you open that jar and you pull out an experience that you've been able to overcome. Yeah. And it allows you to propel forward in that difficult moment. But this is like a real moral thing. Like I love it. Yeah. 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 You know, like dope. I said, there's days where, I don't get a passing grade, but you know, I'm human. So I'm going to steal that. Hey bro. I'll give by you credit. Means, man. I'll by give you credit. I'm means. not like that. Right. CV. I, I give credit where credit's due. By <laughs> <all means. laughs> um, the real jump man. Right. Yeah. So your Instagram, the real jump man, Jay. Yeah. Where did that come from? And does it have to do with your <laughs> exclusive, exclusive foot collection here? Yeah. That's, that's where it came from. One of my boys, uh, this is years ago. I was probably like six. 17, 18. These guys, you know, one of my boys is like, oh man, you got more kicks than John Man himself. How many do you have? I used to work for Nike too. So in, in my peak, 500 pairs. That was like at yeah. the at the <laughs> at the apex, it yeah. was like 500 pairs. And I was like, I made it. You know, and then I slowly uh dwindled down the uh the the collection. Mm. I only kept like the heat or like everything. So I was a big everything you wear is heat, bro. I, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. But like when you were a kid, I know there was like a certain pair of sneakers or a couple pairs that you could Jordan 11. See, so like the Jordan 11 was one for me, Jordan 5, Jordan 6s. Mm. Like I was a big Jordan fan growing up. So, um, you know, I could get some of the pairs, you know, mom and pops hooked it up. But then, 
some pairs I couldn't get, you know. Right. So I made sure I got every single pair that I did that, that I didn't get when I was a kid. <laughs> and I got I got them twice. <laughs> I got them twice, exactly. I got one to wear and one to keep on yeah, ice. Yeah. So uh yeah, it just came from my extensive uh collection. That's fun. Yeah. Have have you leveraged it at all? Like have you done things in that community with it? Or you just like hold it like and where do these where do yeah, these so stay? I used to I used to um do like this whole like buy, sell and trade stuff. Um shout out to Sneaker Lounge in Eastchester. Um, you can make some real bread too. Yeah, when they were in the original spot, I made some great money with those dudes. I, I had access to a lot of uh, a couple of my boys like had stores and like were able to you know hook me up. So mm -hmm. I was able to make some money with those dudes, and I made generous amount of cash um, that I put towards uh, my house. And you know, like you know, it's like it's like an investment, it's like stocks and bonds. Mm -hmm. You know, you buy something that you know is going to be yep. or is a classic. You hold on to it, and then. Somebody paid top dollar for it, and you just dump it off. But favorite favorite sneaker of all time of all time. My favorite sneaker of all time. One. Um, I don't even own it. Uh, the Yeezy One Red October. Really? No, yeah, the Yeezy Two Red October. I'm sorry. Really? Yeah, don't own it. I own the. I would have never thought you would have said that. Yeah, man, the the Nike Yeezys though, not the freaking <laughs> yeah. Adidas ones. Right. But, uh, yeah, that because I almost had the sneaker. That's why it's like. Such oh, a thing. You're one of those guys. Literally on the table, and I was gonna get it. And a Nike rep, so at the time he was having issues with Nike, and he left Nike. I was there the day of the release. My boy had it all boxed up, ready for me to go. And a Nike rep came and snatched the shit off the table. <laughs> oh man! <sighs> I, I think for me, it'd be the uh, just the, the bread ones. Bread ones. Huh? I, yeah, it's my favorite shoe, man. I got and, four and, pair of them fucking yo, things, bro. What size are you, man? Uh, ten. Oh, that's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a twelve and a thirteen, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and what's crazy? So I just got the um, the Ben and Jerry's, um, dunks. Yeah, the dunks. dunks? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. fire. But got them in a twelve through Marky Carter. Okay, dude, my toes turned black. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah, still yeah. wearing them. I don't give a f. They're it's fly. It's heat. Yeah, it's <laughs> you heat. know what I'm saying? My toes will go black for this heat <laughs> on the feet, bro. <laughs> CB's into sneakers too. What's your favorite shoe, CB, of all time? Space Jams, 11s. Ooh. Space Jam 11s. Yeah, that's my number two. I got three pair of those. I got the <laughs> I got the the original, uh, the not the original original, but like the the retro. Mm -hmm. Then it came out with the one with the 45 the on the back. Yep, yep. Got that. Yep. Had to get those. Yeah, so I, I played it. I actually played my whole high school career in Jordan 11s. Oh, I, was, I was that guy. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, I was, I was that guy. And there was a year that I was playing for Greenwich High where we had the... All of us had the black and red uh, on our feet, which was a sick. Oh, red oh, only, in, only in Greenwich. Only in Greenwich. Only in Greenwich. Yeah. Only in so Greenwich. Had that where I was at. Um, <clears throat> switch your mentality from I'm broken and helpless mm -hmm. to I'm growing and healing. Okay. And watch how your life changes. You said that. Yes. What's that mean to you? Uh, I'll read it again. Just I was, people. I was, are you good? Yeah, yeah, dude. I was, I was a broken dude, man. Like, like I said, it was a pivotal moment for me. Like, like I said, like six, seven years ago, I, I was just got out of like a super tumultuous situation. I didn't really know who I was anymore. And um, that's when that friend of mine kind of slid me that card. I was like, you know, you might want to yeah, just take a look yep. at this. And um, I had to really like be honest with myself, man. I had to be like, yo, listen, dude, like you're not in a good space. You need to figure out what it is that you need to be to be the old version of you. And um, not that I ever went back to the old version. I became a new and improved version. Mm -hmm. With some old qualities. That yeah, obviously, yeah. I mean, because, you, right? you know, yep. 
the original blueprint is me, but um, I had to change my outlook, you know, because I, I was so consumed in like what I was in that I didn't realize that these changes were happening to me. And when you, when you, when you change your outlook on life, I mean, there are endless possibilities. You got to stop playing victim at some point and take accountability for your actions. And then when you do that, well, when I did that, I should say, my life started to change. Um, and I, I like, like I, I never talk about this like publicly, but like I had a plan to like take my life. You know what I'm saying? Like I was gonna make it look like an accident. Like no one would have ever known that, you know, I quit. But I, and then I sat down and I thought about like my mom, I thought about my brother. And I was like, damn man, like, and I don't know if that was God talking to me. I don't know what, but you know, the plan that I had was pretty like to the T and I don't think anybody, it would just look like an accident. No one would ever known, but I thought about how my family would respond to it. And I was just like, damn Jay, this ain't the way to do it. And I had that moment of like enlightenment where like, all right, man, like you got to dig your heels in the ground and start pushing towards a space where, you know, you can be you, be Jason again, man. And so I started to make that, that change, but I had to change my outlook, you know? So mm, it's deep. It's very appreciate deep. that, man. Yeah. No, I appreciate your vulnerability, man. It's, yeah. it's it's an amazing thing to uh, to witness. Yeah, I mean, because you know? somebody's probably gonna listen to this podcast that probably was in that same space and just mm -hmm. didn't, you know, like you know, like I was. I had a conversation with Frank, and Frank was kind of saying the same thing. Like he had a plan, and he told me the plan. Like, and I was like, damn, like whew. we we were both in this space, but I would have never known if we didn't get into a room, sit down, and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And you know, he was. Uh, open enough to to have that conversation with me and tell me that. So then, I was able to share that with him. Like, yo, dude, you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. So I know there's people out there that that um, you know, it runs through their mind, man. It, life gets that bad at times, but you know, there's always more. You know, it's just you got to be willing to put the work in to to get there. It's mm -hmm. just sometimes when you're in the middle of a fight and you're getting your ass kicked, you don't know that the bell's gonna ring and get to the corner and you cut, man, and your trainer's gonna be like, listen, man, you gotta you know, do X, Y, do this, you know, and and to me, the cut man and the trainer are like your family members, man, the people that love and care for you, your support system. Those are the people that are really in your corner, you know, and so when you're broken down and and, and, and beaten, they're the ones that's going to tell you how to get back on track. You know, they're going to point you in the right direction. I said that before, like somebody loves you, they're going to give you the, 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 the jewels to get you to where you need to be. Right. You know, no one's going to withhold that from you. If they really love you and they really care about you, they're not going to withhold that from you. Mm -hmm. They're going to give you game and they're going to be like, all right, man, well, this is what you need to do to get on the right track. So, you know, it's crazy. And I, I don't really, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the statistics on it, but I would bet that more people than not have had some level of a thought. Right. Would you agree with that? Of like, Absolutely, I don't want to be bro. here anymore. Like even, even when you think about like even high school, mm -hmm. you hear like, you hear kids all the time, like, oh my God, I want to kill myself. You know, and you don't realize the power behind the yeah. words. And now what we have to start doing is is like shifting that, you know, like just as as a society. My daughter is three years old, right? Mm -hmm. The other day we're sitting in McDonald's and we have a really good McDonald's in uh, Mohegan Lake. Like it's like the old school, like, you know, they don't have a ball pit. Yeah. But they have like a play gym. Where oh, she my goes, God. Yeah, right? yeah. I remember those as a kid. Yeah. So she in the moment, it was the first moment for me. And this was deep, dude. This crushed me like. I I don't know something else that has crushed me like this. And it's it's it, it's not deep when you really think about it, but for me in that moment, having this three-year-old tell me this, it killed me. So 
I'm watching her. She was playing around and like she wasn't as fast as everybody else. So they were like running around this this play gym mm -hmm. and she couldn't catch up to anybody. Right. And there was a lot there was distance in between. Yeah. people. So, so then she sat down and I watched her and she waited for like them to run by. And she was like, you know, trying to get their attention to like, hey, slow down, like, let me play. Yeah. She did that for like two minutes and nobody would play with her. Then she started crying and she came over to me and she said, nobody wants to play with me. I want to oh. leave. So in that moment, Damn, bro. I had to sit her, yo, bro, crush me. And then I put her on my lap. I said, Callie Michelle, what does Callie stand for? Kind, amazing, oh, man. loving, independent. There's going to be times in life when not everybody wants to either play with you yep. or agrees with something that you're going to do. It's okay to be alone. You're safe. You're healthy. Yeah. You have your family. You have your friends. Go over there, use your imagination, and go play. And she got up, and she did it. Right? But in that moment, yo, I wanted yeah, to cry man. with her. I got a little niece, bro, so I, I know, yeah. dude, like, a, a, a young a young girl will change you, dude. I, like, I, so my, I don't know about your family, but my family's dominated by men. Whole lot of dudes. Yep, okay. So my niece was the first, like, feminine energy outside mm -hmm. of, like, my mom. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching her like learn how to swim, bro. And I was just <laughs> better run through a wall. Yeah, man. bro. It's like she changed me, man. As like, yeah. and I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have any kids, but like, you know, just that's the closest thing I have. That's yeah. my, you know, like my brother's kid. So I, I, dude, I get that, man. And my brother's very big on like those positive affirmations, especially with like young women. You know, you, you teach her this now, and then as she grows up, she's gonna know what it is to be independent, kind and a sweet, mm -hmm. loving individual. You know, like, you build that foundation now, man, she's gonna grow up and be a beautiful human being. You understand? Like, she's gonna go out and interact with the world. She's gonna impact, she's gonna touch people because of the the things that you're teaching her now. And like, you know, she said, like she's three, she's young, man. You start that now, bro, that ceiling is super high, man. And it's like, we need more of that in the world, bro, because like, I feel like, Nobody gives that to their kids like that anymore. I feel like they just kind of like release them off into the wild. Bro. Yo, it was it was hard though, man. Like in that moment, I remember because there's a five and below next door to the mm -hmm. McDonald's, right? And sometimes she'll say, "Oh, can we go get a toy?" So in that moment, though, I thought to myself, like, "Let's get her the hell out of here." Yeah, I'm gonna go buy her some toys so she can feel good. You know what I mean? So she can feel good. And then something like just came over me. Yeah. And then the preacher in me came out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I started preaching to her. And yeah. it, it happened to work. But even my own thought in that moment was to get my child, get her out of there. You know, like you don't want to see her suffer at all. Yeah. But now we're having conversations about like people contemplating life, right? Yes. Like, so if a parent, even like me, I'm trying to do something nice for my child in that moment, that really wouldn't have been the right thing to do. It's like to, you know, to push her back into that fire. Trying to create that mental toughness too, that yes. she's gonna develop at this young age, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, it, and it wasn't until this conversation that it actually made me think about that moment. Yeah, bro. Uh, but yeah, man. Let, you know, let, <laughs> letting her fight through it, you yep. know, like to help her more than it hurt her. Getting that toy would probably hurt her, you know, so. Shout out to you for that, bro. Oh, man. No, I'm not looking for the kudos, but thank you. No. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I get credit um, where credit's due. Talk to me about some uh, some acting, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm not. Everybody knows this about me. I'm not a movie not guy. A movie guy. <laughs> you mentioned a couple films. I, I can't say that I've seen it, but how'd you get into that? And that's such a cool thing because from my understanding, you're, you're like, 
I would be like an extra for real. Like you can strap me up into some SWAT gear. Yeah, you and I'm gonna look the part, though, bro. Like I'm gonna really look like that guy. But you're actually the guy. Yeah, because you do it in real life and you do it behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me. I had a good friend of mine I met at an event, uh, Fit for Duty. Uh, put me in line with like the Actors Guild, and he's like, "Listen, man, you know we do, you know we film stuff all over the city for Netflix, for you know like uh, Blue Bloods and stuff, stuff like that. So like, if you ever around, you know, I'll give you calls. We'll send out a text message, and so I was able to 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 be an extra on, on a few shows like The Equalizer, uh, um, Blue Bloods, NCIS, um, you know, like stuff like that. Just so dope. Yeah, and then in uh, back in '06, I was in um, I was an extra in Pride and Glory. That, that was pretty dope because I got to hang out with Colin Farrell for... Uh, What's he like? He's a super cool dude, man. Um, you know, we asked him a bunch of questions because, you know, he's like a notorious dater. He dated like uh, Britney Spears. Um, did that movie Alexander with uh, Rosario uh, Dawson. So we asked him a bunch of questions about that stuff. And um, he was in uh, that uh, Carmen Electra... Not Carmen Electra. Electra. <laughs> the, Carmen Electra. The... Um, the um, Marvel movie. He was Bullseye. See, I am of no assistance. See, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, you're looking for like a give me the name of this thing, and I got nothing. for Yeah, you, he was brother. in he was in Electra, <laughs> and uh, was it uh, Ben Affleck's ex wife, Jennifer Lopez? No, the other. But it was his ex wife, or ex, no. and now that's the next ex and the next. Aniston. No. Crawford. No. <laughs> Abigail. <laughs> No, nah, you got to research it. But uh, she was in that movie. And so we were asking. People are driving in their car right now and they're screaming the last name. Jennifer. <sighs> Damn, I can't think of her name right now. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Jennifer. Ah, I'm going to get this before you guys. I'm just going to guess. I don't know. Gardner? CD. Jessica? Jennifer Gardner. Yeah, Jennifer Gardner. That's what it was. I knew it. See? Got it. Yes. Ah, uh, you got it. Yes. <laughs> I'll give it to you. So, yeah, we were just like picking his brain. He was super cool, very friendly with us. Um, but that was like my first. Uh, stint with like acting and I was on a Netflix special called uh, Dating Around which definitely changed my life a little bit but uh, <laughs> yeah that was that was pretty interesting after that we shot it in like 2018 uh, it didn't air till 2019 and it just like my following kind of like jumped through the roof because uh, we were on like BuzzFeed Spike TV mm. and so like that's kind of how I like rebuilt my following was uh, doing that Netflix special that's very That's cool. That's a bit of a game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Um, so sidebar, you know, if your people are looking for imposing figures that really can't do much, but just really like got to look. Oh, you do stand there, bro. That's what I'm saying. So they like, give you like this little mock gun. You stand there. They oh, tack you up. It's not even a real gun? No, bro. Oh, perfect. No. That's even better, bro. That's literally even better. Yeah, no firing pin, no nothing. Bro. <laughs> just like that, just standing there. Um, yeah, so you have, a, you have a large social media following, man. Yeah. 50-something thousand. Yeah, it's With, growing. It's growing. Yeah, a no, bit. that's a lot, man. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very, uh, it, it's a very organic outreach too, man. Like you, you see, uh, you know, because people could have a lot of followers. Yeah. To be honest, right? A lot of followers, and you know it's real, and you know what's fake. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like yeah. from what I see with your content and stuff, mm -hmm. like people are engaged. It's 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 really oh, yeah. really awesome. Are there any um, like I know you mentioned the Netflix, kind of put you on in terms of an audience. Were there like any strategies that you can share with people that kind of helped you? build nah, your I mean, your brand and your following i was a, i so I, I say this a lot too um i was an influencer before influencing was a thing uh, i was out going to like different events and i'm a people person so if i get in the room and we start to converse you know who knows what's going to happen from there so um i just was boots to the ground and just 
meeting people, shaking hands, just doing that kind of stuff. And uh, when I got into social media, that, that was my plan. I was like, I didn't want to have to pay for a gym. I didn't want to have to pay for supplements, and I didn't want to have to pay for clothes. I got all that stuff done. So it's changed a little bit now because now it's like a real job. So, mm-hmm. like, you got to, like, be more meticulous, and everything has to be, like, thought out. But, uh, you know, I'm working my way around those obstacles, and I'm trying to get it down to a yeah. science, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's uh, funny you say that. So I didn't even share this with CV, but we've had some partnership opportunities with big brands, mm-hmm. Dove Men's Soap and nice. Coca-Cola, um, but one just reached out, and it was Trojan. Oh. And a really good, like, financial opportunity, but, like, it just doesn't align with, you know, really what we do professional yeah. you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. listen go practice safe sex that's not what i'm saying here but like you know i there's certain things that like you you ask for these things i remember like and i pray a lot man yeah and i'm like you know i want sponsorships to come in abundance like i want that you know yeah. but then god does funny things man like that where you're like well i can't i i the money's good but i really can't dabble in every situation yeah at that point you gotta look at your moral compass right <laughs> you know what i'm saying like that's right <laughs> Ooh, Trojan, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I could take yeah. that either. And a really good, really good offer, man. I gotta be honest with oh, you. Like, it's very, very funny stuff. Sheesh. Um, what what's something that people don't know about Jason Lacayo? Oh man. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think most people know. Like, I'm very big on my family. I said, what well, what people don't know, bro. Don't know. Um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, I'm trying to think. I gotta think of something. Yeah. All right. So let, uh, I'll give you one too. That, people don't know hmm i think people don't know how insecure i get you know what i'm saying like they see me and they they you know what's funny i was gonna say that but i was like oh yeah i was gonna say really? that so people i think people think i'm this super confident like you know because like you know hey man you're all over social media you've been on tv like i'm like yeah but what what does that mean like that doesn't mean like it's like, I, if I look in the mirror, I still see 12-year-old Jason. I don't see this this guy. I see, like, the 12-year-old kid that, mm. you know, like, was trying to navigate life and trying to figure out, you know, the ins and outs of, like, the social, yeah. uh, you know, landscape of school. You know, I used to fucking hate school, bro. Really? Didn't like it at all, man. Yeah, I didn't like, like it either. I BS'd my way through everything. Yeah, like, I, like I'm an auditory learner, so like I was very good. Like, if you said something, I'd just be like, boop, and I would. It's good for your career, too, huh? Yes. That probably... Correlates yeah, yeah, like I'm very good, like visually and auditory, uh, like like auditory learning is uh-huh. like my where I uh, peak at, and um, I just I never liked the constraints of sitting in a room and listening to a teacher who I just thought was a was a dummy. You know what I mean? And I, you know what? It goes back to something that you said earlier. I had a teacher tell me some stupid shit one time. And his teacher told me, shout out to Mr. Jansen. I know you're somewhere in the oh, world. Oh, boy. Because I remember your Mr. name, J, man. my brother. He Yeesh. goes, you are not going to live to see the age of 21. You're probably going to be dead or incarcerated. Really? Before the age of 21. And when I'm telling you, that cookie jar, yep. that's the biggest cookie in my cookie jar. <laughs> Give me that. I, like, I, like, I remember becoming a cop and, like, when I'm starting to get all these, like, awards and this and yep. that and, and, you know, like, I'm doing shit. I, I I just thought about that dude. Like I thought you said I was gonna be dead by the time I was twenty one. He told my, myself and my cousin who was in the same class as me that we weren't gonna live to see twenty one. So I just used that as like white it, dude, black dude, white dude. Really? Yeah. He's like you know statistically proven like and like he's like I see you kids like you kids are you kids are assholes like you're out here you're getting in trouble you're this like I, like I was like any other kid I was rambunctious I got into shit but 
Nothing know. crazy. It's not like you were gangbanging and No, going no, crazy. no. But see, I was like that's terrible though. Like I can't yeah. believe people are teachers uh, and and listen, I know a lot of educators and I'm uh, a lot of family members of mine are educators and but they're there for the right reasons, right? Some of the closest people to me are are in education. So I don't want to make it seem like a, you know, like that, but there some are people some people job, who just bro. take jobs. Yeah, and they actually hate it and it's such a disservice to especially youth. Like you can impact somebody so much at that young vulnerable age. Thank God that you were able to yeah. to turn that around. Because that was the thing that always like haunted me. Like, damn man, what is this dude is right? You mm. know what I mean? Like, and I had a I had a brush with death. And can you tell me about it? Oh yeah, yeah, I could talk about yeah, it. Yeah, um, So I had a good friend of mine. He was in this like super tumultuous relationship with this girl. Um, I knew I knew her like I we were like her friend group was in was part of my friend group. That's how we all met. And so they used to always like just kick the shit out of each other, right? Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one day I seen him, he had like teeth marks on his <laughs> scalp, like break marks on his face. Didn't know you were dating a shark. Yeah. So, <laughs> so one day he calls me and he's like, "Yo, bro, um, uh, he goes, yo, I got to meet up with such and such. Um, I don't got my car. Could you take me to go meet her?" So I'm like, "Yeah, bro, whatever. You know, cool." So he was at my he was at my boy Andrew's house. So and I'm not putting two and two together, right? He's telling me, and I I just know them to argue and carry on so he goes yeah we got to meet her uh in the parking lot of the royal regency hotel so i'm like that didn't sound right but i was like whatever so i pick him up from my boy's place we drive to the the parking lot of the region the royal regency hotel on tuck hole road i know exactly where that is yeah. mm -hmm. and um so we came in it's like a little back road we came in off that back road it's like tuck hole kind of runs like that way we came in off that back road like past that cemetery mm -hmm. so we come off the back road and at the time i had a 318 ti bmw manual I knew she she drove a, a Honda Prelude. So he's kind of briefing me like what happened. So they got into some shit and he said something crazy to her. And like maybe two weeks before that, he had gone to an argument with her at her dad's house or at her parents' house. And he blasted out her back window. Like the brother came out, tried to like defend his sister and the back window ends up getting broken. So I guess dad had enough of him. So he goes, all right, man, do That's me wild. a favor. Um, he goes, it, like, just drive me over there. So I'm like, cool. So now we we in the parking lot. I'm tucked in the back. I got the car in first gear just in case it goes <laughs> left. So she drove a Honda Prelude at the time. But when she pulled in, another car pulls in behind her. It was like a uh, like champagne-colored four-door sedan of some sort. Tinted out, though. Tinted out. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, So she jumps out the car and starts screaming. She's carrying on. Ah, screaming, and they screaming back and forth. Then some tall chick hops out the passenger side. Then the car behind them, two dudes pop out. I see one dude got a crowbar. So I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> we're about to fight. So I've never been um, a coward, right? So you want to fight, we can fight. And my boy fought in the golden gloves, so he had hands. So I'm like, all right, so I guess we're doing this. So I'm getting ready to put the, the car in, like, park, like, you know, put the e-brake up. And I see the other dude walking, but he's walking like kind of slow. And he got his hand in his like in his waistband. So I'm like, let me take this shit, put the brake down, put the shit back in first. So I start driving. I'm like, yo, oh, this dude looks shaky. So as I start driving, they start running towards the car, and the guy on my side pulls out a gun. So he pulls out a gun. This dude on the passenger side has the crowbar. He hits my windshield. And while he when he hits the windshield. This guy on this side takes the gun and shoves it through the through the window, through the driver's side window. 
So it just sounded like a big like pop. So now I'm like, the car stalls out, and it was almost like it was like a flash, and I was like, we're rolling, and I just see blood, and I'm like, oh my god, this dude shot the gun, but it was his, it was the blood from his hand, and when it went through, I had tint, so it kind of like wrapped and scraped his hand, and his hand was this. So now the gun is like literally right here, so oh, I'm so sitting like this, yeah. So the blood's on me, so it's his blood. My boy now hops out the car, starts fighting the guy with the with the crowbar. So I'm like, oh, I got to do something. So I try to grab the gun. So I'm like this, but I don't want to grab it. So it goes off. So I'm literally trying to grab his wrist and he's just like pulling, but the car's rolling. So I'm like, damn, how do I get out of this thing? So I pushed the door open and that freed him up. And so I end up falling out the car and then he literally has me at gunpoint. He's like, oh, you move, I'm gonna kill you. So I'm like, shit. So now I'm talking to the girl. I'm like, yo, this is what you're doing. Like, you know, we know each other. Like, I know your dad. I know you, you know, like, I know everybody. And she's just like screaming at this dude still. So anyway, long story short, this dude basically like pistol whips me and like prones me out, right? So he's like, yo, if you move, I'm gonna kill you, bro. So I stay there. He takes off and goes after my friend with his friend. So long story short, they end up leaving. Um... I go to go try to find my friend. I can't find him. So I just wanted to like run out to see if I could get the plate. So as I run out to go get the plate, you know, 87 is right there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they hopped on 87, but a cop car was like right there. So I ended up talking to the cops, like kind of explaining what happened. Like, you know, these dudes just robbed because my boy had a chain on. He took his chain, whatever have you. So he ended up, he had like this gash on his head. So ambulance get there because apparently he ran into the lobby of the Royal Regency and they kicked him out. He was like, you're going to bleed on the on our floor here, you can't be in. <laughs> so they kick him out. So the ambulance comes and they're like, oh yeah, like we gotta take him to the med center. Like med center, like that's for trauma. Like, oh yeah, you got a fracture, he has a fractured skull. Oh my God. So when we, they, they go up to the med center, so I gotta stay with the car. Um, they go up to the med center. He ended up having to get uh, brain surgery. He had to get a plate in his head. Wow. Yeah, bro. And that was like, Kind of a I was a pivotal point, like moment in my life because I feel like I ha my life could have went one or two ways mm -hmm. after that night, and I could have went the criminal way and handled it a certain way, or I could have went the opposite way and did the right thing. And you know, thank God I did the right thing. But yeah, man, like, but the whole time that that shit has happened, I'm like 20 at the time. Wow, and I'm thinking. This dude was right, bro. Like, I'm going to get smoked before my 21st birthday. Oh, my God. So that was Full like, circle, yeah, man. that was like replaying in my head. And I'm like, oh, shit, man. Wow. That's it really has to come to this. And like, I'm, I'm a man of God, man. Like, I'm a very spiritual person. And when I'm telling you, like, I was praying and God answered my prayers. I'm still here to talk about it. But, yeah, that could have went left. God bless, bro. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Was there... Was there a second though? Did you think you were in heaven when you saw blood? Because I'm very dramatic. If that were me, I I literally would have thought like to myself, like, oh my God, I'm having this out of body. Dude, the experience. first thing I'm I did, shot, I'm dead. I was touching myself to make sure I didn't have no holes. Cause like, you know, sometimes nah, adrenaline. That's crazy, bro. What do you mean you're checking? That, that's not a normal statement. You're checking adrenaline. yourself. Yeah, I'm holes. checking myself. Cause I, like, oh, like I've been man. around, like, I've been at parties with like dudes, like, let round. I was, I was from here to like where the lights are on. A kid yeah. I know let rounds go at somebody. Oh, and I'm like, so I got know what you know. I've, mm -hmm. I've been in that kind of situation. So I'm just like making sure that I'm. He don't got no holes in him. I'm no, good. Okay, crazy. cool. Let's now we got to try to make something happen. So, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't really like panic though, because I always say like, this dude's got the gun. Right. 
Of course. He knows what he came there to do. Me crying and begging for my life is not going to prolong this or expedite it or whatever. He's going to do what he wants to do. So, like, I always said that if I ever go out like that, I'm not going to be going out, like, begging for my life. Yeah. Just take it how it comes, whatever it is. But, you know, I was praying, though. Wow. You know, because the whole time he had me prone out, he could have did it then. Yeah, so of course, I was like, of damn, bro, like this is my life's gonna end in the parking lot. Well, hopefully, God found that guy too. Oh, no, they found him. Like, there's like a whole second part to this story where, like, apparently, like, he threatened somebody that I know with a gun and he knew who he was. Mm. So he was like, yo, listen, I, I know the guy. Wow. So it all got back to you. Yeah. So, like, I could tell you where he works and I could, mm. and I could point you in the right direction if you, you know, want to handle it that way. And I'll never forget this dude. Um, was the, there, there was a detective. His name was um, Detective John Hayes. He's since retired from Yonkers PD. And he made a statement that, that changed my life. He goes, I know you know who did it. And I know you, you want to handle it the way you want to handle it. Because in this game, I'm going to tell you how this goes. Someone gets hurt. Someone comes to hurt you. And there's a whole lot of funerals and people crying. And I go, holy shit. And he had, at that time, he had already had like sat down and spoke to my dad. My dad was kind of telling him like, hey, you know, my son's taking police tests and this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. Right, because you're, com- you're trying to come up in that world. Yeah, so you don't want to be involved he in goes, that. He goes, do you want your life to be like this where you kind of got to look over your shoulder if you decide to do something or send someone to do something or whatever? But I know you know. Just think about what I just said. And that kind of mm. righted, righted the ship, I should say. Yep. You know, wow, what a great story, man! Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry that happened to you, but no, I'm happy, no, I'm happy you're here to I'm, share it. I'm happy it happened to me because it, it put me in the right space. Mm-hmm. You know, I always felt the guilt because, like, my boy's life kind of wasn't really the same after, after that. Right. Yeah, because you know, like, you have issues when you have like brain surgery. You know, you mm-hmm. got to get your depth perception back, your hearing, vision, things like that. So, like, I always felt guilty. You know, and he was already like a wild dude. So, like, I feel like I added to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I always thought. It's like you have like survivor's guilt, you know, like mm. what, you know, what if I just sped out of there? I mean, I don't know. I, I ran that scenario through my brain a thousand times. Yeah. Wow. You know, I think that was the way it was supposed to pan out, you know, unfortunately, but, you know, we're both here to talk and and and, and speak on that. He's still alive and he's doing well, you know, so he's got kids and he's got a life. So good. God bless. Yeah. Man. Um. All right, cool. Before we wrap up, I got one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Take it how you want it. What value do you want to leave in this world? Ooh, my legacy. Um, that I just wanted to help people. I'm very big on that, man. That's why I took this job. You know, I'm very big, like, proponent of helping others. I feel like that's something that, like, God put, in, like, put on me. Like, I've always been the guy that people come to um, in a protective role or you know, in a in a supportive role. Like, so I just want to leave when, like, when I'm dead and gone, I just want people to be like, you know, that dude helped a lot of people. You know, he always put people, in, you know, in, in the right position to win, to improve and better themselves. That's all, like, because if I'm winning, you know, that's one thing, but if everybody else is winning, that's, an, that's, an, that's another thing. That's like a beautiful thing. So like my family members and like my friends, the people that are close to me, I, like, you know, we spoke about this before. Like if your friends really love you, like your victory is their victory. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, that's just how I think. I feel like I'm here to help. And if I can get somebody and put them in position, and like let's say I put them in position to become like a millionaire, cool. I don't need to get a dime, but 
I helped you fulfill, you know, you, you know your uh, your destiny. Mm. You know, like if I feel like you have a gift, you know, I'm going to tell you that you have a gift. I'm not going to like not tell you that. I, I want you to know that you need to share this gift with the world, and if you can make some money, and while you're doing it, that's even better. But I want people to see their potential and see how great they are, even if they can't see it. That's, I, I feel like that's the legacy I want to leave. Mm. It's a great legacy, man, and. Um, I think you're on that that path, man. You've done a lot thus far, but I know just as uh, men that want to continue to strive for for more and more, it's a tough balance because although you've you probably don't acknowledge it, you know how much you've done hmm. um, and the impact that that you're making. Um, but I certainly want to take a second to, you know, acknowledge the impact um, not only in the first responder community, but I think the the community at large. Thank you, bro. Appreciate that. Um, I appreciate your your vulnerability, you know, um, your your compassion and your, and your understanding for much bigger topics than uh, most would would talk about. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, man. I, I I'm grateful we did this. You know, and yeah. This I, is a, this is a great conversation, man. Yeah, I'm proud to uh, call you a friend now, my brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, where can everybody find you? Talk uh, to them right there. Ah, uh, well, you can find me at uh, on Instagram. That's where that's where I'm really at, and anything that's a, attached to it. Uh, the real drop man, Jay. I've been on there, you know, spells as it sound. I've been on there for God knows how long, but that's where you can find me. Um, there's an email attached to it. So if you need to email me or get, you know, get in contact, I'm there. So very cool. Um, guys, we, we thank you for, for tuning in the, uh, the shares of the podcast, uh, have really taken us to the, the next level. Um, couldn't be more grateful for you tuning in to one episode or 163. Um, we hope you found value in what we do, and especially this episode with Jason Lacayo. Uh, so share it, spread the word. It's a great positive message. Uh, you can shop the latest merch at nosnoozeshop.com. And as always, stop snoozing. Get up and get after it. My man. Yo, dude, I need to be a SWAT guy now. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. That's another Epi in the Books. You can follow us on Instagram at Most News Podcast and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most News. Shop the latest merch at Most Come on. <laughs>